0: So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, how about to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So
1: Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash
0: switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
1: D.K. Manny. Manny. Yo.
0: Scoopy Radio. You know what's official if Barry Bond say it, yo. The best in the business, that's Word of Scoop. You either to tune in or read the word from Scoop. He give you the business, he show you the proof. And Scoop B say it, you know it's the truth. Sports and entertainment, he give you the mix. Some of the biggest interviews, he give you the fix. On iTunes, the number one podcast. The Jordan, the journalist, the goats. so why ask? Watch out, if Watch out, if he naming him scoopy.com Do numbers like Chamberlain Pin game is a gift Got the gift to gab If he say this gospel It's as simple as that Now pay attention And you can see the way It go enough of this talking This is Scoopy Radio You're listening to Scoop B Radio Get on his Instagram now At Follow Scoop him B. At Scoop B. Follow him Yes, sir Scoop B Radio At the job sitting in your cubicle at the laundromat while you're getting that weekend laundry done, even at the department store while you're looking for those summer deals. I am Brandon Robinson. Follow me on Twitter at ScoopB. Make sure to check me out on Instagram, Scoop underscore B, as well as Snapchat. Search Scoop underscore B. Make sure to check out Scoop B Radio on all platforms, iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn app, Stitcher app, or simply visit ScoopB Radio. Thank you for the continued support. Scoopy Radio is the only place where you can find interviews either never before published or interviews that are exclusive. And this interview is brought to you by Wooter, the Wooter app, Wooter clothing. They've got you covered. Make sure when you go to Wooter's website, you use the promo code Snoop, S-N-O-O-P. That'll be the key to get you the discount that you need. And this episode of Scooby Radio features Craig Hodges. We talk Colin Kaepernick. We talk Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf. We talk Phil Jackson. And, hey, we get a little Michael Jordan. So, DJ Maniel, make sure you cue that tape in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. It's Squilly, y'all. Lay some treats on us. This is Scoopy Radio. Be Radio on the line with probably one of the coldest shooters in a three-point contest in the NBA, Craig Hodges. What's going on, Chief?
1: Uh, I'm doing good, brother. Appreciate the invite. How's everything?
0: I can't complain. Trying to make it happen. And a lot of things going on right now in sports and the intersection between civil rights, sports, and uh, just living. Uh, you look at guys' right, like right. in the past. Mahmoud Ador um you look at currently like Colin Kaepernick, and then you, uh, for people who are maybe too young to remember when the Chicago polls uh, visited the White House in 91, uh, you wrote a letter mm-hmm. to President George H.W. Uh, Bush, uh, where you basically right. let him know uh, about the mistreatment of poor people and people of color. What gave you the gumption to do it?
1: Well, once again, thank you for the invite, and I thank God for giving us an opportunity to get a good message across to to people about the importance of human rights and standing on that. And for me, I was born in the in the midst of the civil rights movement, June 27th, 1960, and my mom was the secretary for you know the south suburban, south suburban uh, area of Chicago. My mom was the secretary for the movement. And for me, I grew up under the movement, and then I had a chance to go to Long Beach State on a basketball scholarship and study, you know, our history. I studied Black Studies under Dr. Maulana Karenga, Khalid Muhammad, God rest his soul. So we Uh had great instruction, and a lot of the instruction, it challenged us. It challenged us to, once we were able to leave the campus, to go out and continue to to re-educate our people to the issues that's uh, true and necessary, and when I had a chance to play professionally, it was always trying to maintain a balance of being able to make sure I maintained my my focus as far as my professional career was concerned, but also to make sure that I did whatever I could to uplift the cause of our people, man. And and when I we had a chance to go to the White House after our first championship, I had been taught to write letters to our congresspeople, to the senator, to the mayor when I was a little boy and all the way through high school and it was just a, a continuous of that and a continuance of knowing that I'm part of a fabric and a fiber of, you know, human rights, you know, people who stand up for human rights. And I think oftentimes we, you know, Malcolm taught us that we somewhat belittled ourselves and we sold ourselves short when we want the civil rights, when human rights is the bottom line on all of this, man. So, you know, we're, we're thinking in terms of, other people and doing what we can to elevate not only the basketball side of it when we were champions, but to, to elevate the cause of those less fortunate to ourselves and who don't have a voice. Craig Hodges on the line, Scoopy Radio. It was so interesting,
0: um, the dichotomy of different things you talked about. Number one, me being in the New York area, you're talking about Khalid Muhammad, and you know I'm very familiar with the, mil, the uh, Million Man March, and then they had it again a couple well, of yes, years sir. ago. The twenty, the twenty-year yes, anniversary sir. of of uh, my buddy actually um, rapped on uh, or did a speech and rapped.
1: on uh, did a spoken word uh, guy by the name of my son. Uh, right, and he's, um, you know, that's one, you know, I, that's one of the brothers that when I was eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, getting ready to leave off campus. He, he was mentoring me the whole time and he continued to until, you know, until he passed and ascended. So it's one of those things where I've had great, I've had great mentors, man, both on the basketball court and in, in the movement. And, you know, elders like Jim, uh, Jim Brown, the minister, you know, so it's, I have, you know, I've had Dick Gregory, you, you know, all, all brothers who have, and some sisters, man. So I feel, I feel fortunate to have had the two that I've had to be able to have have formulated a foundation to stand on and feel comfortable standing on and not not feel pressured by, you know, what's going to come at you, knowing that it's always going to be, you're going to get not only haters, but you're going to get the powers that control that don't want to see the, the, the resurrection of, of human rights and don't want to see people elevate to their God potential. So we have to just know that, as these battles happen, we'd be courageous enough to stand in the in the face of it and weather the storm.
0: I want to take a step back. 1991, the Bulls won mm-hmm. their first NBA championship beating Magic Johnson and the Los Angeles Lakers. And yeah. you um, were a daishiki to the um, celebration at the White House. First of all, I think it's so yeah. ironic that years later, Daishikis are back in style, uh, fashion wise. <laughs> um, the notion of players not showing up mm. to the White House is something that's kind of full circle. A lot of the stuff is full circle. Obviously, mm. President Donald Trump is in mm. office. Mm. When you heard right. about the Warriors, some of those guys deciding that they did not want to go, or it's been said that some of those guys did mm-hmm. not want to visit the White House.
1: Initial thoughts. Right. Scoop B Radio. Well for me, I you know, I tell people it was one of the coolest days in my life, man. You know, I've always looked at the the edifice that the White House is, the understanding the power that it holds, but also the fact that it's a museum and I'm a historian. So I was excited about going. And me wearing the dashiki wasn't anything different because I wore Dashiki throughout the playoffs. So all of the nash, all of the basic media who were sports-orientated, understood that I wore dashiki and never questioned it now. It was uh, a matter of me being on the national and international stage that it became prevalent to, I guess, the consciousness of who, <laughs> of people at that time. But for me, it was just, it was a natural, man. It's a natural that when we go to a royal event like that, that that's how it's supposed to dress. You know, when I look at the, what the Warriors have decided, I guess, not to go in because of Trump, I'm somewhat dismayed that that you you every I feel like every American should get a chance to go to the White House because it's what you pay taxes for, you know, mm-hmm. so you should get a chance to see it. And at the same time I think it's an opportunity for you to go and air your you know, air your grievances with the top man. So I think it's a couple ways to be handled and every, and you know everybody has to do it their own personal, you know, way, but I feel like it's not it's not an opportunity. It's an it's an opportunity for everyone that's a citizen of this country to get a chance to do it. And, and as a champion, it's something special to do. But at the same time, I can understand that political swaying as far as not going.
0: Tim Halem, the Chicago Post, long-time um, director of communications in the PR department, um, suggested uh, that you kind of, you talked about airing out your grievances, airing out your grievances to uh, then-President George Herbert Walker Bush how cool was how how receptive was president bush uh when you kind of let him know what it was and and you gave
1: him that letter what what was he like oh yeah he, he was first of all he didn't uh you know they when you look at me and you look at my facial structure you look at my skin tone i could be an ethiopian i could be a eritrean i could be Somalian, and especially when i put on my garments. so I think they were taken aback when they heard me open my mouth and I was speaking King's English and perfect English from the project. you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so it was a different. It was someone taken aback. And then I told him, you know, I had given a letter to his press secretary because you're not allowed to hand hand anything to the president uh, hand to hand. So I had given it to his press secretary and I asked him would he take a look at it. And he told me that he would, but I never got a, a response back from it. Do you think he read it? Um, I'm pretty sure, uh, somebody did, uh, but at the same time, I, I just wanted to make sure I made it part of the historic record, you know, that whether he read it or not, I didn't, I took it on behalf of the people that I wrote it for. I didn't take it for him to necessarily even give me an answer, but I wanted to go on the record, uh, being able to on this day. And this time, based upon this history, to be able to say this is where we are as a people. We're not begging. We're not begging the government for anything. But if it's not said, then it can be said that we didn't know. But now I'm putting you on the point to where you know this is happening. I'm um, I'm representing as a champion. I'm re- I'm championing the causes of those less fortunate than myself. So, you know, all in all, it was it was a cool trip, man. His reception to me was. I tell people, he was cool to me. It wasn't an old type of animosity. It was all, you know, when I was shooting jumpers, he called his wife over and told her, hey, you got to watch this guy shoot the basketball. But it was. It's funny to see, you know, just the normalcy of man-to-man, sport-to-people, and then the outlier, which is those mechanisms of racism, of white supremacy that, that go on beyond even George Bush. You know what I'm saying? That, you know, that's the part that's uh that that's was um kind of funny, you know, a melancholy feeling of knowing that, you know, right here we're being cool as a fan, but as soon as you walk back in that office, my people's condition is is where it was even while we were standing out there. So I don't get it twisted. I understand um, what's going on. And I just know that we have to unify ourselves to make changes that we know will be effective for us and our people. I want to take it back again to White House visits. It mm-hmm. was said
0: um, that after um, you guys won your first championship in 91, um, that Michael mm-hmm. Jordan said, excuse my language, Fuck Bush. I didn't vote for him.
1: Right. And see, that's the part that you know it was uh, MJ understood. He, you know, MJ is not publicly political, but he can handle his affairs to where he can make a political statement. And when he didn't come to the White House, it was it was a statement. But once again, there was no uh, pushback from any of his sponsors or any of that. Because he is who he is, and you know he's the golden goose for a lot of marketeers and and um, endorsement companies. So it's it's not a it's not a surprise that it didn't come back. But I understood where he was coming from, and that Bush wasn't his his homie. But when Clinton was in office, he hung out with Clinton and golfed with him. So that lets him know. Were there other instances
0: where you saw Michael Jordan be political besides Bush Bush not visiting the White House
1: incident? Um, not really. You know what I'm saying? Not really, because I, I always I one thing I remember recalling when uh, it was a brother. I think his name was Wilder that was running for officer, running for governor or something in Carolina, and he asked MJ to uh, endorse him, and he wouldn't because he said Republicans buy gym shoes. That's mm-hmm. being political. You know what I'm saying? And that's and that's your 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 opinion. You can do that. Because you control that mechanism to be able to say no, I ain't gonna, I'm going to endorse or I'm not going to endorse, and we have to live with it. And I think that's the that's the part of me that's I feel like I've grown some that I put a lot of earnest in trying to uh, get athletes and entertainers to come together because I thought that's where our reparations lie. But in fact, it's just the unity of our people, and then God will give us all the resources that we need to do everything else, but all that's encumbered upon us right now is just to unify ourselves and quit killing one another and let God's potential flow through everybody. Phil Jackson,
0: a guy who is, uh, Mm -hmm. I guess, in the digital age people are finding out as more more vocal um, than some, at least, I think the NBA fans are realizing he's more vocal. Me as a member of press, he's always been vocal and stated his opinion it's uh, mm-hmm. they said that he was the only guy that was really vocal about uh the iraqi war um and right. it's so interesting yeah. because when i watch him then and i look at greg popovich now being vocal about president right. trump it seems right. that that coach banter is very uh common um mm-hmm. how vocal is phil ja- right. was phil jackson beckman
1: well, you know, Phil, you know, Phil is like this. He's, um, walks softly, carry a big stick. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That he opened his mouth and might be a few words, but the words are heavy enough for you to know, man, he could have said a couple more paragraphs about it. But the night of the, uh, when we invaded Iraq the first time, he, you know, we were playing uh, Orlando Magic and he came on a, on the loud, you know, the PA announcer said that we, uh, Engaging in war with Iraq and all the guys on the scene, yeah, yeah, bomb the shit out of them, all of this and and airport everybody together He said, "Okay, now you want us to bomb them and all of that and blow them off earth, but it's going to be somebody still surviving whose parents were killed in those bombings." In twenty five years, from now they can walk into a theater with you and your children sitting there, your grandbaby, and blow up a bomb. So, like, do you really want us to bomb them off the map? You know, hmm. so it was, it was things like that that. That, you know, for me, Dr. King, my hero, and he told us, the, you know, the impact of militarism. So we understand that it's not a, it's not a God, it's not a God factor, it's a man factor, that's a war machine. That we feel like we have to conquer human beings, we have to conquer nations, we have to conquer people in order to feel good about our country. I don't really agree with that. that, that landscape or that mindset, so... I feel like right now we are, there's something coming for our people. But the question becomes, are we ready to receive what the creator has in store for us for the wanton abuses that were heaped upon black people all over the face of the earth? And that our redemption is coming. And you can see every other nation on the earth, uh, color scheme wise, is you know, has yeah, they somewhat come up. Come up, and China is doing their thing. That's the Yellow Man. The Mexicans are doing their thing. We look at you know we look at the Red Man here in America. They got their casino bread. When is ours coming? So ours is coming. I just want our people to be patient with one another and continue to study and and search for truth and and everything that you can find and and be a vessel of truth and and goodness.
0: Why is Phil Jackson so misunderstood?
1: Ah, uh, Phil. Phil's not so much misunderstood, man. You're not misunderstood when you're making forty-eight million dollars over 4 you deal. <laughs> that's like, that's far from misunderstood. Colin Clark, Colin Kaepernick is misunderstood. You know what I'm saying? Phil Phil understands how to play the game. He he's been a, you know, and and so a lot of I look at Phil was part of the hippie generation during the '60s, so that carried over into you know not love, love, not war, so. He's always been in that mindset. So him being the Zen master is him being able to balance the duality of what's going on in America. I can be a, I can be a capitalist and I can be a peace lover. You know what I mean. So he's understood how to handle that and keep it pushing.
0: Craig Hodges on the line, Scoopy Radio. So you you must have been a radio host in your former life because you threw a perfect segue. But before I ask the Colin Kaepernick question, here's the question mm-hmm. I have for you. Why did you feel, and at what point in your career did you feel that you were blackballed? Scoop B
1: Radio. Uh, I I knew I was blackballed October nineteen ninety two. When training camp started, and I didn't have a team to play for, I knew something was up, man. No way can you have been three time consecutive three point champion, two time world champion, and not on nobody's, not nobody's training camp. At that point. I knew something because I couldn't get an agent to represent me. I couldn't get my players' union to represent me. You know what I'm saying? So it's certain things and it's certain uh factors that were in play that I wasn't – I'm going to say that I was somewhat naive too because I was so focused on being a, the best shooter on earth that I wasn't thinking that somebody could actually do this to me that y'all can actually take the best shooter out the game that's about shooting? How did that happen? How did that happen, Mark Price? How did that happen, John Stockton? How did that happen? I'm asking the white players, my white comrades. You know what I'm saying? Who ain't had shit to say about it? I'm asking my I'm asking my union. How did nobody say nothing? Charles Barkley, Isaiah. None of y'all said nothing. Now when it comes back, I'm getting apologies from these same brothers, which is wild to me, you ain't got nothing to apologize about. Don't apologize to me. Apologize to the millions of black people that I was going to affect with 20, 30, $40 million in salary. Hmm. That ain't about me having no $50 million career. It's about me effectively utilizing a $50 million dollar contract to leverage it to the black community. Let me ask That's what I was going to do with my bread. Yeah. Did
0: any player actually or any executive in the NBA actually come out and say, they don't want you? They what? Did it, did any player or executive in the NBA during that time actually say, Craig, they didn't want you because? Was it ever actually said to you that you were black
1: boy? Billy McKinney, who Billy McKinney was the uh, general manager with the Seattle Supersonics at that time, mm-hmm. he said hi. And me and him were teammates in, in San Diego with the Clippers. Mm-hmm. You say, man, uh, brothers got jobs, man. I know what that meant. Okay. We can't rock this boat. I understood, and I'm, you know, and and that's the cool part, and that's why the the saying that the creator never puts more on your shoulders than you can dare. Mm-hmm. I was tough for this. I was tough for this. I went to Long Beach State. I studied the movement. I studied the blacklisting of. John Carlos and Tommy Smith. I studied the blacklisting of Kurt Flood. I studied the blacklisting of Eartha Kitt and uh, uh, all of our seniors and Paul Roach and how we got to go overseas to finish our great careers that we American until we start to speak about black people. Now you're not American anymore. So the fact of how somebody can talk about Colin Kaepernick in an anti-patriotic manner, when you can tell... Just by his intellect that he studied in your system, and he was and he excelled at it. So the rebellious brothers are the ones that don't go to school. Mm-hmm. So if you're not rebellious in the system, you got some type of love for the flag. You know what I'm saying? And love for being here. He understands that ain't no place else he could take a knee and do what he does. But under this flag, he understands that. But he asked us to take a take a take a notice in the third stanza of the national anthem, which nobody ever plays. You know what I'm saying? Why don't they play that? And let's see what that says, and how good we feel about that flag, and what happened to black people under it. And that's what he's asking about. He's not asking anything that an Irish American, an Italian American, a Jewish American ain't studying under their culture. He's studying under this culture, and he's able to speak on it, but the bottom line is the visibility and magnitude that the young man has at this point in his career is a bully pulpit. And those who control that bully pulpit say, no, we can't have that, can't allow him access B-B-Radio. to this right now because he might wake up too many young people. B-Radio. And he ain't got to wake them up, they're already awakened. From your perspective, and what you went through, do you see Colin Kaepernick uh,
0: from your perspective, and what you went through in the NBA? Do you see Colin yeah. Kaepernick ever starting in the NFL again?
1: No, and I don't. But I, I think um, this was a this. And I said this the other day. If he isn't on somebody's opening day roster. There might be a slim possibility this season somebody brings him in 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 a team that's competing where their quarterback goes down, that they need an outstanding quarterback to come in like him who has Super Bowl experience and ain't gonna get, ain't gonna get perplexed with what's going on about it. He might get an opportunity. But if he's not in somebody's training camp, I don't think he'll play again in the NFL because out of sight, out of mind. And in that sport, unlike basketball, where you might be able to sit out 12 months and still be able to come back and play. But the question becomes that 12 months, is anybody going to even mess with you anymore because they already said you obsolete because you've been 12 months away from the game, Alan Iverson? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I do. So... If he gets if he if he gets in now I think he'll he'll have a good chance and that's why I've been speaking on his behalf and trying to get people, Hey man, everybody holler. everybody send letters to the NFL on his behalf. I'm trying to have a I'm trying to put together a Colin Kaepernick Day here in Chicago where we give him money. Because that's the part that people don't understand about the black ball, is the black ball is effectively shutting down your bank account. And you got family? You got loved ones that you want to have a barbecue for, or a Thanksgiving dinner for, or a Christmas dinner for, buying presents, and now all that shut down or shut down to a level where now you have to be more mindful of trying to stretch this thing where you had four, five, six, seven years of earning potential and millions to rectify many, many obstacles in different people's lives, not just your family. And that's why I applaud the young man for having had enough insight and enough foresight to be able to put some things away where he can still do the community service that he wants to do, meals on wheels and feeding people and that kind of thing, because he's a hes a righteous soul, man. So I applaud him to make sure that you and all your young brothers and sisters call the NFL, ask them what's the problem, and tell them that we're going to go out and boycott if that man ain't out there. That's one thing I plan on doing. If the NFL doesn't have them plan, I'm going to organize a boycott in Chicago at some point in time well we gonna come we gotta go down there to the stadium and say, Man, why didn't y'all bring this man in? You know what I'm saying? Because every team that comes through there needs to know that hey man this is one of our brothers that y'all got out there and we got and we got his back.
0: Craig, when you heard um, Michael Vick and uh Ray Lewis uh kind of give their take on uh ways in which I guess Karen that can get back at the NFL, Michael Vick talked about his hair. Uh maybe not having an afro, maybe braiding it or cutting it off. And then you heard Ray Lewis kind of discuss <laughs> discuss um keeping it private. Uh his his beliefs, his civil rights beliefs. What were
1: your you? You know, and that, that that that's that's you know, that's and I love Bolton Brothers that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I love them. I, Ray, Ray brought me in for, for one of his celebrations. I love these brothers, man. But at the same time, oftentimes we can be pressured into making comments on behalf of the larger enforcer. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? To keep our little thing moving forward. And that's that's where we have to ask ourselves. If it's really a guy in these situations, whose side is he on? Scoop B Radio. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then when brothers make decisions to say, like Michael Vick, how stupid is that? So you telling me this man's hair is throwing football? <laughs> this man's words is throwing football Ray Lewis? So tone down your civil rights. So you're telling me allow people to be murdered and maimed, and it's cool as long as I play football. Hell no, man. Come no. on. How, how, how much more of a 2017 slave mentality is that? You me, man. Let's get yeah. to the real. Let's, cut, let's cut, cut to the chase. We ain't got some slave garbage. Yeah. That's, that's slave.
0: Up. That's slave. I Come look on. where we are right like now in society as African Americans. And I think mm-hmm. that we're now, you know, you had African Americans who left the cities who went to the you know Scooby went to the, to the suburbs. Okay. So then now you have mm-hmm. suburban kids who move back to the cities. Um, you have Hip Hop, mm-hmm. you've had the civil rights movement, you've had Obama in office, you've had Clinton in office, you've had you've had Bush, the first Bush, the second Bush. I feel like where African American society is right now, we've actually realized that we are more than just pants hanging off your ass. Um, we we are in high profile positions. We are in, you know, corporate America, uh-huh. the third. Uh-huh. I feel like there's a uh-huh. le- level of awareness, but we're all. Um, I feel like we have so much buying influence. We have so much sports influence. Whatever we do, you can tell that's African American culture. That being, said, but what do we have? What do we have? Unity. Why? because we've all been brainwashed and we all have different
1: perspectives in life. Oh, and you and, and you know and you know the difference of why we had unity to be able to get to the point where these those things, very things that you just spoke about, or what we got now, mm-hmm. where we had unity, where we had unity in order for us to get that. We had unity because the the, the, the pressure radio. was coming from one place. And right. it was identifiable. Mm-hmm. So in the sixties, I don't care if you was Harry funny or you was the garbage man. Your pressure was coming from white entity, white world. Mm-hmm. You feel me? Right. Which is the largest society. So, so much of our, so you know. For me, I tell people, I love Jackie Robinson, but I hate what Jackie Robinson did to the black economy. Hmm. You feel me? Yeah. We don't. We don't study that part of it. We yeah. don't study the impact of. We don't don't study the impact of my granddaddy telling me in 1929 when he would go to the Negro games at Comiskey Park, it would be 50,000 black folks. That's economics, man. That's economics. And that's going on all over the country. So we can have black bus companies. We can have black banks because that money got to be deposited and they ain't taking it. You feel me? So that was the economics. That was an economic boycott. That was an economic boycott of black products that we got to take this black and put a little bit over here so that we can just shut that down totally. Yeah.
0: Craig Hodges on the line for so, Scoopy Radio. I-, I wanted to ask you a question. So,
1: mm-hmm. radio.
0: <clears throat> you look at College after You look at your situation. Mm-hmm. And we look at Mahmoud right.
1: Abdul-Raouf, who had right. it worse out of the three of you guys? Make, make, to me, to me Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf, and I told him this two weeks ago, I had a chance to see him when they were here for the Big Three this past Sunday. Mm-hmm. Colin, Kaepernick, Colin Kaepernick has gotten to get uh, a portion of what he's supposed to get salary-wise. Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf was cut off from being perhaps the greatest scorer in NBA in history that's what—that's the part that hurt me about what happened with him. Not even so much the bread, although that might for him that might be something, but I'm saying he got his Islam and he understands all of that, and that's powerful for him to understand what's going on and why it went on. But at the same time, his potential in the game was so much farther than myself and, and I say even Colin where he is in his career right now. But as far as, you know, what he was able to do for the game, I, I feel like, Nick Moon suffering more than anybody, man.
0: If you were Colin Kaepernick um, and a team picked you up,
1: mm-hmm. I mean, to me, they're not. He didn't. Go ahead. He I'll didn't talk to my He, he, he mm-hmm.
0: had no warrants. He was not convicted of a crime. But, my. This reminds me so much of Michael Vick's return to Philadelphia or return to the NFL playing for the Philadelphia Eagles. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. of the attention, because of the 24-hour news coverage, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Right. If you were Colin right. Kaepernick, if team picked you up, how would you conduct yourself and how would you handle the situation? Would you be the same you?
1: Well, and once, once again, see, I for me, I, I'm pretty sure that Colin Kaepernick ain't going ain't gonna, ain't gonna yeah. to take a knee anymore. There ain't no need to take a knee anymore. I think now I it's just not a him wanting to play football. If he gets a chance to play football, he's gonna play football and do what he's capable of doing, you know. So hopefully, he get that opportunity.
0: From your perspective,
1: mm-hmm. I feel
0: as though African American mm-hmm. culture is the only culture, mm-hmm. in a lot of respects, that has to be subdued. They can't be unapologetically them. You look at football. You look at Troy Palomalu. He wears his hair out. You look at um, right some guys that that were linemen on the bears they wore their hair out but then you look at Colin Kaepernick you know he wore an afro mm-hmm. you look at Iverson he he had tattoos and he had cornrows do you think that that corporate america is afraid of athletes being unapologetically black
1: absolutely because when young when that happens you ain't got no you have no you not you ain't no fear and fear has been the the key to to the power structure. Scared a hell out of people. and They ain't gonna move. So so many of our movements have been paralyzed just because of you know inaction and fear.
0: When you look at today's NBA and you see how much mm-hmm. shooting is at a premium, mm-hmm. do you do you ever wish that you played in a different era? Do you ever wish you played in this era as opposed to your era?
1: No, I'm glad I played in the era that I played in. I played in the golden era of basketball, man. So, when nobody playing basketball but the way we played it, so I feel best. I feel blessed to be able to say I played against Dr. J. I played against Kareem. I played with MJ. You know, so I feel like that was the golden era of the game, man. So I wouldn't trade it for anything, man.
0: Last question. I spoke to Dr. J yeah. a few weeks ago. Okay. And we talked about errors, and we talked about. Um. Basically, how you know in today's game, people are comparing KD to LeBron, and everybody's everybody's mm-hmm. comparing legacies to Michael Jordan. When you played with Michael, I mean, you won a championship with him in '99. Was there an expectation mm-hmm. for Michael like that, where he was being compared to Magic, and how much pressure was that for him back then?
1: No, uh, Michael. Michael. Michael was a different different uh, guy, man. Mentally. Uh, I don't see where he capped any player in the history of the game. He didn't put a cap on that. He it wasn't a matter of him looking to outscore Kareem. He he knew he was the best athlete to ever play the game, man. And it was just a perfect a perfect uh storm of the athlete meeting the game at a t at a point in time where Brandon was what Brandon was getting ready to be and he was the first player to be branded in that manner.
0: Do you look at today any players in today's NBA and think maybe they can surpass what Michael did? And if so, who?
1: Oh, LeBron, <laughs> LeBron James, right LeBron James has a surpass has an opportunity to surpass everybody that's ever played the game. Just just on the fact of being a six eight two fifty five athlete that he is, and he's a spring basketball player, man. So, I think I think he might be the prototypical NBA player and days to come when we say what they're looking for as an athlete.
0: If he wins win three more championships, will he be as good as Michael or better? Say it again? If he wins six championships, does it take six championships for him to be better than Michael, or would it need to be a seven?
1: Um, I think, I, you know, that's, that's uh, debatable about who won. You know, still, you know, we want to go wins. We got to go Bill Russell, man. So, you know, Bill Russell is at the top of the heap of winning. So if we want to compare MJ. He still ain't the best if we're talking about just sheer winning. But I don't think it'll take six championships up for LeBron to be able to surpass MJ. He might get there, he might not, but I think he'll definitely be in more championships than MJ ever played in.
0: Mr. Hodges, you're a legend. An honor to have you in the front Appreciate opponent, you, and and you thank brother. For joining Scoopy Radio.
1: You're listening to Scoopy Radio.
0: I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Thanks for listening to Scoop B Radio. In a programming note, make sure you guys check out Scoop's top plays. Follow my Instagram at Scoop underscore B. Also, check out my Facebook like page. Search Facebook.com slash Scoop B. Hold up.